Yes, hello and welcome to 100% Footy. Great to have your company. We're not just down the final four, we've got the top four. The cream has officially risen to the top for what we have an epic week three of finals footy. Going to look at it all very soon and reflect on the season it was for the two losers from the weekend. Evening, Paul Gallen. Hey, Brace. Hello, Danny Widler. James. Nice to see you back in nice the seat. see you. You too. Uh, top Dog. James Bracey, how are you doing? All well in your world? All good. Never seen the sun shining so brightly. I love it. It's been hot too. It has been very hot. Yeah. It'll be that way here in Sydney for the next couple of days, but we digress. What did you learn from the weekend that was? What did I learn from the weekend? Well, it was a great day for the um, Warriors on the weekend, but more importantly, it was a wonderful day for Rugby League in New Zealand, for our code in New Zealand. These scenes at the ground, the full house, people there to support their team in a home final, the singing, the chanting, the singing of the team song, the players' team song after full time, and other codes even saying, how do we get that sort of tribalism? It's amazing what this day has done to our code in that country, and it's just one congratulations to the owner and the CEO of the Warriors. They've done a wonderful job for the coach to the players. doesn't matter what happens from here. That was just a wonderful day for our game. Absolutely. Uh, more on those wild scenes a little later on. Gal? Mine was uh, Maradonair Corre. He's thankfully OK. When he went down, I thought he'd done his ACL. Then I saw the replay. It looked like his medial ligament. Then he got help from the field, and I thought he was in all sorts. In the second half, he come back on. Oh, Reminded me of a story of a guy named Fonda Matassa. Now, I never, I, had, I had no idea who Fonda Matassa oh. was. But I brought up on radio. Daryl Broman tells me he was there the day Fonda Matassa was loaded into the back of an ambulance. The ambulance started to drive away. Next thing, the ambulance stops. Yep. Doors open up. Fonda jumps out the back and goes back on the wing and plays. I, uh, whether it's a true story, I'm not, I'm not too sure, but it's a great story. And uh, thank God Maradonair Croix is all right. It was a great recovery. Danny? James, I was more than I learned something, I was reminded of something when Cameron Munster pulled off that absolute clutch play against the Roosters. Look, there was nothing doing, kicks it out there, and there they go, they get the game. And I was thinking, oh, God, not a Munster thing again. And here it was, Munster in origin. He just, he, when the moment needs somebody, he can produce it. He's just such a brilliant player, and he's the main hope they have this week, I think, Munster. So... He's just such a brilliant finisher, and he can do it at the clutch moments. Absolutely, Kenny Ever. Uh, I'm chiming in tonight. The New South Wales Cup Grand Final will be a battle between two foundation footy clubs, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the North Sydney Bears. The Bears throwing away an 18-0 lead against the Warriors, but in the end, Gus, they got home, 28 points to 24 in the prelim at Leichhardt. Great scenes. You know, the Burley Bears got oh, beaten yeah, in their grand final yesterday in Queensland. Oh, right. Said about they were raging hot favourites. The East Hock has got them. The Bears can clutch, <laughs> the Bears can clutch defeat from the Georgia victory <laughs> like no one else. Oh, uh, man, they almost did it the weekend. But 3 o'clock uh, at Combank Stadium against the Bunnies this coming Sunday, and you'll be able to watch it live on 9 now. So make sure you're tuning in for that one. Can't commentating, James? You I'll, I'll try and get a gig. Do you reckon they'll give me one? 100%. I'll do my best. Uh, right, let's get into the footy that is behind us. And, of course, I look towards the prelims. We saw those amazing scenes and the final chapter for the Newcastle Knights. They got Newcastle. They got the win in front of a huge crowd. They go to New Zealand. And, well, they were taking on not just the Warriors, but the entire nation in itself. It has been an amazing rise for the team across the ditch to be here in a prelim with a chance of playing in a granny. Finish to the season for the Warriors. It's the story of our season, to be fair. Um, we do a lot of good things and we, we managed to get a really good lead and then. 
got some news just in. The Warriors will hold crisis meetings this morning over their future in the NRL. The Warriors touched down in Tamworth. They're then expected to relocate to the Central Coast. Welcome to the new New Zealand, a place they may have to call home for a long time. I just take my hat off to them. I, I couldn't imagine being away from my family for three months in isolation. Shock axing of Stephen Kearney because he will leave the team's base on the Central Coast today after being delivered that devastating... Nathan Brown has coached his last game for the Warriors, effective immediately. From 15th last year to 4th, the Warriors have reinvigorated New Zealand's love of rugby league. If any club thoroughly deserves success, it's yeah. them for what they've been through. The Warriors hunting! It'll be a trial of all Johnson sends it to Martin Numbers. They're going to score again. This is a cover. The crowd, look at them. They're up on their feet. Wade Egan, Sean Johnson. Nico Kloster. Proud of our resilience, eh? And proud of our effort today. We wanted to come out here. We knew this was going to be pumping, bro. Listen to this. And we just had to do our part and bring them into the game, and we did it, bro. We did it. Outstanding for the Warriors. Uh, they most certainly are. It is some story, isn't it? The rise of the Warriors, and they did it in style against the Knights. Gal, the big concern, I guess, for the Warriors is to make sure that they can maintain the rage, not have played their grand final, perhaps like the Knights did the previous Yeah, game. away from home also, which the Govs got to do next week. Look, they started that game fantastically. I mean, the Knights looked shell-shocked. Uh, they got the ball first, and from their first two or three tackles, just looked out of sorts, dropped the ball early, and then it was just all the Warriors. The Warriors... The Newcastle Knights did not complete a set of six in the first 15 minutes of the match. The Warriors just ran all over and they led 16 0. But I've got to say that they did shake a little. For the last probably 20 minutes of that first half, I thought the Newcastle Knights were well and true on top. They just couldn't convert it to points. They scored one try, but they had the field position. Whenever the fifth tackle came, they'd, they'd put up a kick and they just didn't, did not compete enough uh, for, on it for me. They, they could put a whole lot more pressure on the Warriors. Wingers and centres, but they never. But then the second half started and they got the early try in the first two or three minutes of the game. So I thought, game on him, 16-10, it's on here. And Warriors in the past, without that, would have shaken, would have failed, I think. But this team's a different team. They're a different team. They complete well. And, uh, you know, they, they got their wits about them. And the last probably 30 minutes of that match were all over the Newcastle Knights. Scored score four tries in the last 30 minutes and... They played pretty well at the end of it. 40 points to 10 is a good score. Gus Gal says they're a different team this year. Why? What's so different about them? Uh, well, a lot of credit's got to go to the coach. They've got uh, tremendous mental strength. They've got a defensive pattern that uh, has stood the test of the whole season. It stood up under pressure. I said in the last couple of weeks, their last round of the Premiership, they rested a lot of players playing against Redcliffe, knowing full well they had the finals. And then they lost their halfback leading into the first semi-final against Penrith at Penrith. And even though they went there and competed, I think in the back of their minds, they knew that that was probably a bridge too far and had their minds on this first home semi here. And you could see that. I think it's been a very mature approach. Had the Penrith game been a grand final, I wonder if Sean Johnson would have played or whether or not there was really that much wrong with him that he was rested for that Penrith game because he was certainly 100% on the weekend and he, he played extraordinarily well. And the two players that I've, that I've really highlighted this year has been Tohu Harris and Adam Fanua Blake, who set a wonderful platform in the middle of the field, those two big fellows. You don't win these types of games without dominating up front and they led the way for their forward pack and 
They were just too much for, uh, for the Newcastle Knights. There's a famous line out of The Wizard of Oz where she says, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I said it during the commentary on the weekend. It was very obvious early that Newcastle, the Knights were not in Newcastle anymore. They, they, you, could, could, you could tell from the opening tackle, like they, they almost ran out off the kickoff, almost got taken out. Tackle two, pass never went to the right man. Tackle three, the same. Tackle four, they dropped it. They were, they were, they were in all sorts from the yeah. start of the match. Gus, they did ask, come back, but weren't good enough. Can I ask you about the Sean Johnson how, how he got there, I know that you were around the club at that time, and was it, a, was it something that you helped organise? I mean, I believe there was a game of golf involved and um, somehow he ended up back there because he wasn't welcome for a long time at that club. In fact, a lot of people at the Warriors no longer like Sean Johnson, but he, he found his way back there. Yeah, I, I don't really want to talk about that. It was um, a couple of years ago and Sean had had an unhappy hot time at uh, the Sharks and was looking to get back to the Warriors, and he'd obviously left the Warriors some years earlier. Um, but, it, you know, it didn't take long for a conversation to understand that he would love to go back to New Zealand, love to go back to the club, and uh, the owner, Mark Robinson, was only too happy to take him, and it's been a wonderful partnership. He didn't get what he wanted straight away because they had to stay in Redcliffe for another 12 months during the COVID year, but um, now that he's got back to New Zealand and full-time, he's, it's been really good for him. I look at the player we see now and the player that played at Cronulla, it's, it's just, and even the player that played last year. Last year when the Warriors were playing... I thought Sean John should retire. Mm. I really did, because he, he was nowhere near what he was. And at Cronulla, look, he, he wasn't great at Cronulla. He, and for me, he wasn't happy. He just wasn't happy in life outside of rugby league. Ever since he's gone back home, he's, he's with his family, he's happy, he's with his, with his friends. And he's been, he's been a totally different player this year than he has been the last three or four years. Totally different. Did you see the scenes where he walked from the yeah. field? They, they, <laughs> they took him off with a few minutes to go, and he walked along the dead ball line <laughs> and along yeah. the ground. I mean, it was just... And I said at the top of this show, it was amazing for our code. It was a wonderful time for, for Sean Johnson there on the weekend. And like Newcastle the week before, where they had this sort of day in front of their home crowd, it was always going to be di- difficult to, get, to come down off that and go across the road to a completely opposite environment like they got this week. Now, the, the Warriors are the same. The Warriors have experienced something that you, you, you'll go through your whole life and never experience again, that sort of afternoon that they had. They've got to leave that behind, jump on a plane and go to Brisbane into the exact opposite atmosphere they're going to get at Suncorp Stadium next Saturday night. So it's a big challenge for them, but they wouldn't swap that day for the world. I'm glad that Sean Johnson was there for it. I'm glad that they won so convincingly. And it was just not just great for the Warriors, who'd been through a lot. It was great for our code. It was so important because it's a great time in in New Zealand at the moment for rugby league to get their foothold and set up the proper pathways and help that club be a juggernaut and help New Zealand international football be the rival that we want. We'll have a look at that big matchup between the Broncos Warriors a little later in the show. But, Gal, the Knights, the report card for their season obviously overachieved in many people's eyes, 10 straight wins at the back end of the year. Can they build on this? We, well, hopefully for them they can. Um, I'm not sure who they've they signed next year, but without doubt they've got a good young group of players coming through. They can keep guys like Bradman Best there. Callum Pong is obviously key to their chances. They've got to keep him on the field. They've got to keep him fit and healthy. Um, obviously, the experiment at him playing 5-8 will probably is gone. Uh, so he's the fullback now. And um, with a good group of young forwards come through, hopefully they can build. I still think they probably need something in their halves. Um, but if they can find that... Yeah, they can build on it for sure. I, I do think they have achieved, though. I, I don't think anyone would have tipped the nice to being where, where they made it, but well done to them. They've done a good job. Gus, do you like that Adam O'Brien will be uh, extended as coach of the Knights as well off the back of this run? Well, he should be. He's done a wonderful job. As I've said a number of times this year, someone just didn't click their fingers to win 10 in a row. That's a culmination of work that's been done over 18 months. And, um, you know, not, sometimes it's not working right. The team isn't winning or they're not going the way you would like or there's some people that don't like the way it's being done. 
Uh, you've got to weed all that out and persevere and persevere, and he did. And then suddenly they got on a bit of a roll. Confidence and momentum are a great thing. And they had that wonderful day in Newcastle, which is just, you know, it, it lit up the whole area and the fan base up there on that day. It was a hard ask to go over to New Zealand and, and face the opposite on the weekend. And, you know, they were blown off the park. It was all over. But they've had a wonderful season and uh, bigger and better things ahead. Stay with us. 100% footy is what you're watching. Coming up, the storm in the final moments. Snatch victory against the Roosters. So they're through to a prelim. We have a look at how they're placed to take on the Panthers. We'll preview both big games coming your way. There'll soon be two left standing. Sunday week, the decider. We're back with so much more. Ah, some finish. The Storm sneak home just uh, against the Roosters. 18 points to 13 on Friday night in front of just shy of 20,000 people. Cam Munster, the man of the moment again. He was either going to be hero or villain at the end of that game, wasn't he, Gus? Yeah, I mentioned this on Sunday when we were doing the review of the game, or Saturday it was. Um, when you're watching football teams train, NRL teams train, the amount of time that's dedicated just to practising those cross-field kicks, defending them and attacking them, wingers leaping in attack and wingers defending them in defence. And here it was, in their biggest game of the season, a Hail Mary play, the last virtual play of the game for the Melbourne Storm. They put it across there and say, well, it's going to be your night or our night. <laughs> And both of them go up. They got their arms up. Both of them did a really good job. Warwick just got the, the possession and, and got the grab and got the better body position on it. Uh, probably the rooster jumped a little too early, but they're the things that get practised over and over and over and over again in all sorts of conditions. And you, you get bored with it and you think, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep doing this? But it comes out in a moment like that. What an amazing play for the last play of the game to get the Melbourne Storm through to a preliminary final. And, if he doesn't Munster, catch that, their season's over. Exactly. And Munster would have known how much they practice it. We're talking well, to the fullback end of the game. He, he said they practice it over and over again. But and there's no swally and there's no tupo. That's right. I, I always think so there's, there's a vulnerability there. There is. There is exactly. And he knows how much Warbeck's been practicing and just the no hesitation about it. Like the last play of the game for the Storm, no hesitation. He didn't even think about trying to set up for a field goal. He'd already had a couple of them. No hesitation. That's, that's why he's paid the big bucks. You know, he learnt his um, AFL skills in New Zealand. He was playing AFL in New Zealand. That's how he learnt to, to catch like War, that. Warbeck, yeah, no, yeah, it was a good catch. He did well. He's got to be close to the rookie of the year, too. He's right up there, isn't he? Like him, Taruva, and Taruva's be close yeah. to him, yeah. Had a hell of a year. Uh, Harry Grant off the bench. Has been a lot of talk about it uh, over the weekend, Gus. Mm. It's, we haven't, we've seen it before with Queensland. Is, is this the time to be doing your new finals time? I actually quizzed Billy Slater and Cameron Smith about this. Uh, Cameron Smith, the champion Melbourne hooker, and Billy Slater, the origin coach, as to why both the Melbourne Storm and Queensland have suddenly got the tactic of keeping Harry Fresh on the bench. Now, what is it? Are they trying to get him out of the defensive workload in the game? Is it because he's a little bit too spirited in the early stages and they want to settle more into a grind? Is it because he hasn't got 80 minutes in him at that pace and he's found wanting at the back end of the game? Now, I don't find any of those in his play. I just wonder what it is that they see in Harry Grant that they thought it was okay for him to stay off for the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. Um, It's obviously worked for them in the past. It's worked for Queensland, but gee whiz, he's your best player. Um... I'd like him out there for as long as possible. I'm not second-guessing them, but I just find it interesting that in your biggest game, your best player's not out there in the opening stand. The thing is, it worked for them. The the week before, he definitely got a little bit rattled. All all their forwards got a bit rattled, got a bit beat up, and he got a bit rattled too. So, obviously, keep him out of that that early fire, that early exchange where he's just sort of set for set and maybe save a few tackles and... So does that happen fresh. for the rest of his career? Well, Is he now a bench player? I don't know. It's, it's, work, it's working at the moment, so I suppose it's all they can do. But for the rest of his career, you know, that's to avail as he goes on. But 
Certainly worked on the weekend. It was, it was really, really good when he came on the field. His first two, two runs, he made real good inroads into the, into the defence. Took a great catch, too. Took a great catch. Well, Should we have a look at that? Uh, it was quite the scenario. And the fact that, obviously, for Roosters fans, it hurts because the ball went down the other end of the field and they scored. But let's have a look at how that all unfolded. Harry Grant taking the catch. Ashley Klein right in front of him, uh, seeing it all happen at the time. And this is what ensued afterwards between he and the ref. I only call as I see it, okay? I apologise. I can't say any more than that. So that's the apology to James Tedesco, which uh, came following that call. So let's have a look at actually all the lead-up and how it unfolded. Because to the naked, I don't think there was a person in the stadium who didn't think that that ball hit the deck. No, definitely not. I was was thinking I was sitting with Billy and we both caught a knock-on at the time and... uh, I don't know how he missed it. He was right there. He was in the best position to see it. And I think his biggest mistake was he apologised. You never apologise. Like, you're the referee. You're, the, you're in charge on the field. Like, you don't, you don't apologise. Have you ever heard Gus apologise? Has he ever said sorry? What am I going to say? Sorry? I'm just saying, when you're wrong, you're wrong quite a bit, but you don't apologise for it. You just get on with it. And that's I'm, what the referee should have done. I've never been wrong. There you go. That's what I mean. See? Perfect, perfect example. I, the referee look, should not apologise. That's an outlier. Every now and then they're going to make a blooper like that. Yep. You know, they'll miss a tackle count or they'll miss a knock-on. I don't worry about those sort of things. That's human nature. The one I worried about was where he got clocked on the chin in front of the post, one point, in, one point behind, he gets clocked on the chin. Harry Grant. Yeah, and the system was put under the test. Right, the whole system that all year has been penalising, sin binning, charging, and suspending players all year. All right, in your biggest game, in your biggest moment, one point behind, in front of the post. Yep, they couldn't pull the pin. If you can't give the penalty there under the process that you've used all year, then stop giving it week and to week to week. There to was week. one a few minutes earlier, a hip drop tackle. Of course, which there was, was a very hip drop. Look, now that was hundred percent. That was a penalty all year. Hundred percent. Called that all year, and they didn't call it penalty. Sin bin, in front of the charge, post. suspension. In front of the post. There are people that have been penalised, sin binned, mm. charged and suspended are looking at it and saying, what the hell? Uh, but are, they, are, get... they, are they taking the circumstances, being a, a, a sudden death final into... I've always said, and, yeah. and this was taught to me a long, long time ago, when you're going to change rules, imagine it's three minutes to go in a grand final and it happens in front of the post. Do you penalise it then? Mm. Whether it's a strip, whether it's a high tackle, whether it's a, you know, any sort of tackle or what have you, if you can't give the penalty then then the rule is bad and the rules should not be right throughout the season. What we have is a certain standard right throughout the season that gets thrown away for origin and it gets thrown away for finals, all right? And what we've got is players that have been penalised, charged, suspended, sin bin during the season. You get your biggest moment there. Nah, no, no, 100%. nothing. They didn't do lose it. games too. So like the system, the system failed. Yeah, we, we had one. We put the, the Sharks had one. Said the same player, Sam Walker on Trindle, hit him straight in the head. Now every day of the week, all year, that's yep. a simbin. That's yep. a simbin. A penalty and a simbin. There's nothing. The semi-finals are ref different than the, the normal round. But what I'm saying is, that's how it should be refereed all year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. All right. I agree with you. We get way too pedantic and way too sensitive during the course of the season. Mm. All right. We get way too pedantic there, even around the concussions. We get way too pedantic there. And then come finals time, well, we won't touch that. We'll just let that go. Especially when the game's on the line. On Game's on the line. So if, if you can't give the penalty then, when a, when a, a kicker goal's going to win the game for either side in a big game, then stop giving it during the course of the season. No, don't, no. don't come up and make excuses about process and all that. The bottom line is those two instances, the hip drop and that penalty, have been penalised, sin-binned, charged and suspended 
all year. But look what we've bred into the game, too, by doing this, is Harry on his knees, right waiting for the bunker to look at it. Yeah. Going why? This. Because the process has been bad all year. He knows. He's fine. He knows. But he's just there going, why not? He knows. Now, you, let, let me say this. If that was the first three minutes of the game and the score was near all, yep. what do you think the season was? Penalty. 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 Million percent. No Million percent. If the hip drop was in the first five minutes penalty. of the game, penalty. penalty, sin bin, charge. Yep. So this 100%. Lot, we've encouraged players to lay so, down now. Why, why would you not lay down? So does that come back on the on-field referee or the bunker? Because comes back on the whole system, mate. comes back on the whole system because the system is too pedantic. Well, see, the thing, who made that decision? Because it was pretty clear he got hit in the head. Harry Grant stays down, he got hit in the head, but then the referee stood there and said, get up. That's going to decide the game. The referee stood there and said, I actually take my hat off to the referee because he he made a decision and said, get up, stand up. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with his decision That's not the way we do it all year. That's that's the only problem. It's not the way we do it all year. That's the only problem. So the referee thinks he should get up and play the ball. Maybe they should go back to that system. Get up and play the ball. Don't go to the bunker on every single thing like we do. But then all of a sudden, he's positioned as referee for the grand finals and can... up in the air. Well, I think oh, I think his position may be up because of the, the first Harry Grant incident. Maybe not that one. I don't worry about those ones. Those ones are going to happen. I know it looks bad. I, those ones happen. All right, that's human error. That that's human error. The other two, that was process. That's process that has been established all season, and then in their biggest game, in their biggest moment. But the process, the process isn't Ashley Klein's fault. The process is the process put in place. Hundred percent. It's not Ashley Klein's that's fault. That's what I mean. By the bus. So, so why are yeah. we talking about Ashley Klein? And he's in danger of missing the, the grand final. Well, no. Is, is who, who else? We don't, they never announced until the week off. Okay, right but there. yes, so we'll find out. Um, the Roosters, very quickly, report card on their 2023. Uh, overall, I would think disappointing. I know the last little rally towards the end of the year has probably got them feeling better about themselves. And they've got some astounding young talent that's going to come through. But at the start of the year, they, uh, they were equal premiership favourites. They had said they had the roster, the best roster in the competition, and they probably have. Um, they missed the top four and they're not in the last four. And even through these last couple of weeks, I haven't thought their football has been anywhere near their best, anywhere near what they're capable of. They've been gutsy. I give them nine out of ten for effort. They've kept fighting and through injuries and, and all that sort of thing. But in the cold light of day, I think it's been a disappointing season for them. Yeah, nine out of ten for effort, but I thought the back the back end, even the game on the weekend, they, they, they could have won that, you know, leading 13-12. They blew the back end of it through their discipline, giving away a six to go on a halfway line and a poor pass coming out of trouble. They, they, uh, no, their discipline wasn't great all year. All right, stay with us. Still plenty more to come. Four teams, two matches this weekend. We'll tell you who wins and why. Stay with us. It's one of the great modern rivalries, isn't it? The Panthers and the Storm. And we get the latest chapter this Friday night at a cool stadium in Sydney, live from 7pm on Nine's Wide World of Sports. Denny, there was some serious concern around Nathan Cleary today. Yes, uh, a finger injury, James. He, they're having a contact session. He injured the finger, had to go to hospital. He was spotted in hospital, so the story got out. Fortunately for the Panthers, He's okay. In fact, uh, he trained further in the afternoon. He did a weight session with the team. So Penrith is saying nothing to see here, and Nathan is okay. When you say great. injured, did, did, did you dislocate the finger? Or oh, they they no won't give out the details. Finger. That finger injury had to have a scan on it. So obviously it was, must have been of some concern to send him to hospital. Mm. Uh, and, but he was doing weights in the afternoon, so they're saying he's okay. Taking Penrith's word on it, we'll see if he's bandaged up next time we see him. I'm sure, okay. he'll be, I'm sure he'll be fine. His halves partner, Jerome Lawai, is he playing? Yeah, I was, I was out there um, yesterday, James, and had a look at him, and he's moving okay, I'd have to say. Without, I didn't, we weren't there for the whole session. Um, whether or not he's going to play, that's, 
going to depend, I think, largely on a contact session, a heavy contact session they're going to have on Wednesday. Uh, if he can take part in that and come through it, I'd imagine he will. They'll make a decision then. Uh, I, I guess they're going to name him, but oh, it's, it seems like a long, like a big ask for him to play because of how bad that injury was initially. Uh, I, I'm not an expert. Gus, you've been around this for a, a lot longer than I have in injuries like that shoulder one. I mean, what, what chances are you playing? Do you reckon? Well, we're on the outside here. We're only going on the medical report that's been released. If, in fact, the medical report is accurate and be released accurately that his shoulder was dislocated in that game a few weeks ago, then I think he's a million to one uh, of playing in this game. And certainly a million to one have been anywhere near 100%, even if he dares to go on the field. Even just from that little bit of vision there, I've been more confident that he can't take the field in this game. I just don't see where that's possible. Um, whether they're just throwing up a smoke screen. If he does, it's a medical mystery. They should be told how they did it because uh, <laughs> everyone would like to know how they got him ready in that short space of time. It'd be a hell of an effort. Uh, is there genuine bad blood between the Panthers and the Storm? And if so, Gal, does it date back, obviously, 2020 Grand Final? Melbourne Holden. Oh, look, at, who knows? I'm, I'm not a, I'm in, inside of either of those clubs, but I imagine playing in Grand Finals, there's definitely going to be a rivalry there built up between the two clubs without a doubt. So I think, yeah, there probably is a little bit of... Certainly rivalry where there's bad blood. I, I doubt there's bad blood. A lot of, a lot of the, the Melbourne players probably moved on from back then, either besides Munster. So, I, yeah, I don't know if there's bad blood or not. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a great game. They're, they're two great teams. They've been the, two of the best teams the, probably over the last, certainly five years. The Melbourne have been probably one of the better teams the last probably 10 to 20 years. So they've been a fantastic club. But it's going to be a good game. I, I just can't see Penrith uh, losing this game. I thought Melbourne on the weekend... Of the two games, were probably not, not as impressive. They were playing against a Roosters side a lot of players out, to be honest. And they, while they started really well, they didn't really continue the game on that well and, and only won for a Hail Mary play, as Gus said. So I don't think they were that dominant. I think the, the Penrith side will be well-rested. They've rested their players the past couple of rounds periodically and they'll be re- well-rested as a team and, and then they'll be ready to go. Whether Jerome Lewis plays or not, I, I, I can't say. Even the way he was running just then, watching that vision then, his, his left shot, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Yeah, his left shot held there a couple of times, but then yeah. he did raise it above his head. So well, you I, can see, you I, can I, see I, a bandage yeah, or something. Yeah, you just, just even watch the way he's running here, the way he sort of puts the seat. Watch yeah, the way he's running yeah, there. He's yeah, sort of like he's, right. he's holding it a little bit. So I'm... I'm with Gus. Look, to dislocate a shoulder, and you've got to remember, I'm pretty sure the shoulder was still dislocated as he walked off the field, so I never went straight back into place, which means it would have had to be put back in by a doctor. Mm-hmm. The amount of damage that would have caused to other things probably would be significant. It's only been caught, two, two or three weeks. He caught that ball with yeah, both I arms know, but I know. Look, look it's, it's a lot. It's, what he's doing there is a long way off playing a game of rugby league. Let me that's going to be a hell of a lot different to put your <laughs> arms up and catch Ellie Couture when he comes to coach. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the heads of the ruck. Yeah, well, Justin yeah. Olin. He, he's, he's, he's a tough kid. He's from the Bronx. He's a tough, tough kid. And if anyone can do it, you know, he'll have the heart and the courage to do it. But, you know, his shoulder was dislocated three or four weeks ago. You just don't get back in that time. You just can't. It, no- you can't. It's as simple as that. If he goes out there, he's got to be vulnerable. I'm is not he, saying is he, is he he's brave enough to do it. Oh, I've got no he's doubt got enough he's courage probably... to do it. But I just, I don't see why they need to take that you, risk. You know him better than I do, Gus. Is he the type of kid that will put the team and the club first? And if he knows, like, million percent. Deep, deep down, you know, you know when you're going to be right. We put them million, first. Or he or won't take play. the field unless he thinks he can do the job. Yeah, okay. He won't go out there to be a passenger. Yep. He'll go out there to play his part. And he's, if he's on the field, his part is way too important. I don't think there's any need for him to play in this mm. game. If, he, if he's an outside chance of maybe playing the grand final, then why risk it this week? I don't think they're going to have too much trouble beating the Storm on Friday night, and they don't need to risk him, and he doesn't need to risk himself. Uh, Denny, 
Does Nathan Cleary ever wear a shirt these days? <laughs> You're just jealous, James. Is it just every time we have pitches coming out of Panthers training? Okay, to be fair to Nathan, we're only allowed to shoot the end of training when they're cooling down and having right. the, doing their little drills and kicks. So, yes, he does wear a shirt. I did see him wearing a shirt at training. Right. And it's 36 out there today, James. It's a rig. 36 <laughs> degrees. But no, but I wouldn't wear a shirt if I had that rig either. You rarely wear a shirt, James. I can't believe it. You go running training. through the eastern suburbs yeah, with no shirt it's off. It's We've seen I've seen you. It's a long way from home. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> Stay with us. Still plenty more to come here. I'm flushing now. I don't even know why. I've got a shirt and a jacket on. More to come. We're going to preview the other preliminary final in just a second. The Broncos hosting the Warriors. Which fairy tale continues? Back right after this. Going from one end to the ladder to the other in the space of a season. Quite remarkable to finish with a second chance in September. And while the Warriors need it, the Broncos did not. And here they are, preliminary final footy at its best, Saturday night, live and free on nine from 7pm. Gus, the Broncos, they're rested, they're fully fit, they're ready and raring to go. They've got the cauldron that is Suncorp Stadium. Can they be beaten? Yeah, you can imagine Saturday night when they sat, after they'd sat there and watched the Warriors and watched all the emotion and the crowd and everything happening there, there would have been a very different atmosphere up in Brisbane as they went about their business and uh, now they knew who their opposition was. They'd be planning right from that moment. The Warriors have got a big task. They've got two big obstacles. One is to come down from all that emotion last week and put that behind them. The second thing is they're playing what I think is the second best team in the competition who are in really good form at the moment on their home ground in front of a crowd that's going to be supporting them. We've seen what it's done at Origin time. It's time for it to work for the Broncos. It's time for that Queensland spirit to kick in and um, I think the fact that Adam Reynolds is back and looking fit and well, he is the one that manages this team around the paddock. He's got these brilliant young athletes. It's really tough, mobile forward pack in front of him. He's the governor. He's the one that decides how quick they go. Without him, they just flat out their foot to the floor the whole time. He's the one that's got a little bit of light and shade in his game, which could be the difference between the two teams. Big test for the Warriors. Massive test for the Warriors. Um, and Broncos, it's theirs to lose. Go in the, all those play-ons and playoffs. We saw all the backs being highlighted. But the, what, what I'm looking forward to is Payne Haas and Flamengo Blake. Who's the better player, and who's going to be the person who's going to lead their team to? Win? It's a bit harsh to be saying who the better players. They're both fantastic. Well, because they're different players. Payne who, Haas, who would you sign on the open market? Who, who am I sign? Whoever's the most value. Whoever's taking the least <laughs> amount of money. Whoever can sign the cheapest. Look, they're both brilliant players. Flamengo Blake. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say Payne, Payne Haas. Payne Haas has been more consistent for a long, long, longer period of time. Flamengo Blake has always shown a glimpse of, of how good he can be and how good he could be, but he's never been consistent until this season. He's been fantastic this season. He's probably been their best player. I said on the weekend on radio before the game, whoever wins a battle in the middle of the field between him and Saifidi, they'll will go a long way to win the match. He touted him up, absolutely hammered their, their whole pack on his own almost. But let me tell you, when he came off the field at the 20-minute mark, there was a noticeable, noticeable change in what happened to the Warriors team. Him and Barnett come off the field and it was different. The Newcastle Knights started to get on top and they did for the back end of that game. Now, Fenua Blake admittedly probably didn't need to come back on. He only played the last probably not even 15 minutes of the match because they probably had it sewn up. So they saved him, kept him, kept him on ice a little bit. But he's been brewing this whole season. And what a battle it's going to be between them two. I can't wait to watch it. Um, so I'll wait and see. But as I said, mate, whoever, whoever wins a battle in the middle of the field goes so much to win the match. I mean, it's the, it's the only way the, the backs get space. It's the forwards in the battle in the middle of the field, the backs get space. If they don't, they don't get space. That's what Callum Ponga was hammered on the weekend. Hammered because they could not go forward. They could not create any space for Callum Ponga. They just hammered him all day. 
Gus, you mentioned before, alluding to Brisbane being the second best team in your eyes in the competition. The Knights had their grand final in front of a big home crowd. The Warriors had their grand final in front of a big home crowd. Is this the grand final for the Broncos, as good as it's going to get this year? Uh, well, it's going to be a special memory for them if they can do it. They haven't been to the grand final for some time. Um, look, it's a club that's steeped in history and steeped in success, and they've got people around the club that have been a part of that for a long period of time. Adam Reynolds has experienced it himself. They're a tremendous young team. You know, probably six or eight weeks ago, I said here on this show, I just didn't know if they were mature enough and had the defence to win a premiership. Uh, since that time, I've watched them very, very closely, and each week there's been an incremental improvement. Now, a couple of weeks ago against the Melbourne Storm, their defence was outstanding. Their whole attitude, their physicality looked leaps and bounds better than what it was a couple of months ago. So they're certainly getting themselves ready for it. You know, let's not play the grand final a week too early. They've got to get over the Warriors this week and they won't want to take them lightly. We'll talk about their chances in the grand final against the Panthers the following week. But, um, you know, they've got to concentrate on this one, not take the Warriors lightly, not be thinking too much about what's happening down the track and execute as they have done for most half of the season, the back half of the season this year. Um, they're a very, very good side. Gus, the role of Kevin Walters, I mean, there were a lot of doubts when he came into that job and he was pushed into it by the old boys. How, how much credit does he deserve for what they're doing right now? I think he's re-established what it means to be a Bronco. I think the Broncos lost their way uh, for, for a number of years there. And whether it was the changeover in head coaches, Bennett came, Bennett went back, Bennett left again, you know. I think that um, Kevy, who has, has been with the Broncos for a long, long time, and the people that he has in and around the organisation, re-established what it meant to be a Bronco. And with that comes a confidence, an arrogance about being the number one team in the competition and that's what they believe they are and he, he exudes that confidence, he always has as a player and he's got that through as a coach and if the coach, if the player is a reflection of the coach, the, the way they are, they're fast, they're skillful, they're, um, they're creative, they're innovative, they, they don't fear making mistakes and that's the way Kevy played his whole career and, and they play with that confidence that they're a Bronco and that's what they should be doing. Broncos should be playing in grand finals. That's a, he's instilled that with them and Last year they fell short. They led the competition for a long time. They were in the top four for a long time. They fell over at the back end of the year. They've gone away, resurrected that, come back, signed Reese Walsh, which was a big bonus for them. Mm. Um, and now they're second none chance of, of winning a premiership. But well, I, Walsh, I think they'll be too good for well, the Warriors. Yeah, I, I think they would be too. Walsh was a big bonus, but I think the whole club deserves credit. And whether, whether it's Kevy or the whole club in general for keeping that group of players together, you've got to remember, it's only three or four years ago they win wooden spoons. Mm. They'll come last, which is unknown to the Broncos. They never come last. They kept this group of players together, the main part of the group of players together, and now look where they are. Second in the competition, in my opinion, will probably play in a grand final. Hell of a matchup, this one. The Broncos playing host to the Warriors live and free on nine from 7pm this Saturday night. Stay with us. We step away from the on-field stuff to get some scuttlebutt with Denny in just a sec. Welcome back to 100% footy, NRLW semi-finals time as well. Down to four in the women's game and it all comes your way Sunday. Here on Nines Wide World of Sports, Knight v Bronco, Rooster v Titan. Got some premiers there for us. A couple premier. of big games right there. What about grand finalists? Who's there on the big day? I'm going to go Knight Rooster. Okay, I like it. Uh, make sure you are tuning in. Uh, for night's broadcast of that, always a massive Sunday with the footy show and all the wash-up from the two men's prelims, but it's that time of the evening for Denny's Mailbag. Bit of scuttlebutt. Uh, we start tonight. I can't <coughs> believe I'm seeing... It's always just names. <laughs> all I ever have is a list of names here to come to you about. Michael Checker. We're going to talk about the Tigers, James. And Michael Checker. Michael Checker. Look, Mark O'Neill, that's the person that... Um, Buckets. 
Buckets, yeah, is a person who the Tigers are hoping will be their general manager of football. However, if he stays at Parramatta, right at the top of their list as a secondary choice is Michael Checker. They've reached out to him to see if he's going to be available. Uh, he had success with the Roosters, with Trent Robinson. Mm-hmm. He's got an absolute passion for rugby league. He knows how to run big teams, big organisations. And if things don't work out with Buckets O'Neill, um, Michael Checker is very much in the frame to be, the, I guess, the new Tim Sheens, uh, which was the, the job that Sheens was originally brought to the Tigers for, to be the general manager of football. And the Tigers need some good organisation at the top of their roster. He's famous, Michael Checker, for having that golf club in the... the the change rooms at one stage as well. So that could come in handy at Tigerland. <laughs> Might need a whole set. <laughs> you go through a few. Uh, next up, Keon Kalamatangi. Yeah, we, we all know that um, Keon uh, has had a, an interest from the Raiders and they're supposed to be interested around the $900,000 mark because um, he's going to be off, off uh, available in November and that's big money. But in the background, uh, South's fans are going to like this. The Roosters are lurking. Uh-huh. Uh, they're looking carefully at him. Uh, and look, you think the Roosters would have enough in their in their team in their back row, but there's a bit of talk that Satili um, well, has got another year, so he could be, you know, someone who may not be there long term. Although the Roosters do love him, uh, Angus Crichton we're already hearing could be on the way out as well, and uh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Is with... he leaving? So there's supposed to be some talks, uh, maybe even this evening, um, about Angus Crichton, uh, maybe tomorrow. That rugby is still very much in the frame, uh, whether it's with the Wallabies or if that doesn't work out, um, with the RU rather, or Rugby Australia, uh, if that doesn't work out, there's a chance it could be European rugby. Uh, it feels like the Roosters are prepared to let him go to rugby. There's been a lot of talk that they won't let him go to an NRL club. Who knows if that's going to pan out in, in the long run. But right now, uh, the talks are ongoing between rugby and Angus Crichton, and there could be more talks over the next 24 hours to try and make that happen for Angus. He'd walk into the Wallabies team at the oh, moment. They would you want to? I don't know. Would you want to? <laughs> Is Joseph Swalee still going? Apparently, yes. Okay. Yes, apparently, yes. Um, now, Top Dog's been busy, apparently. Oh, this is going to be tricky because... Um, what? How did the Bulldogs get them answer tonight? Why not? It's off-season. Things no. happen in the off-season. you're the only club who's really this signing... This finals time. Off-se- signing no. players. No. Gus, are you prepared to confirm Drew Hutchison is a Bulldog? No. Why not? I haven't got a contract back yet. <laughs> you haven't got a back yet. That's close. That's a 10-day cooling off period. I call that a confirmation. Eh? That's a confirmation. No, it's scuttlebutt. That's it's what that is. <laughs> what about... Confirmed. Confirmed. Your take tick. is confirmed. I'm saying it's confirmed. Yeah, it's we can confirmed. tick, okay. Tick. Good Kurt Mann. I haven't got a contract back yet. <laughs> tick. Scuttlebutt. Can I tick that one off? I'm ticking that one too. Okay, tick. That's brilliant. Now, one which I'm, which I don't think's right. Uh, there's been a bit of scuttle about Alex Tall. I don't, I don't know if that's that's happening, is it, Gus? No, we've had no discussion with Alex Tall. That's a tick too, then. That's you're right. That Your scuttlebutt's right tonight. I'm done. I reckon you're on song. No, I'm right. That's a tick. Because he because he did say it's, I don't reckon this one's true. I, yeah, we've had no discussion with Alex Tall. Good player though. Good player. Hey? Good player, but not, not Good kid, him. apparently. I've never met Alex, but he's a good kid, apparently. Yeah. Are you um, going to have discussions? Hey? Are you going to have discussions? Not me. They're both very versatile, Drew Hutchison and Kurt Mann. He's got some versatile players. It's, it's yeah. almost like... He's like a T20 side. He's got all the all-rounders everywhere. All-rounders everywhere. Marcus Stewardess, Marcus Stewardess and Marcus Stewardess. Open the batting. Number six. Bowl. Kick, run, tackle. Can they all do that? That's all they need to do. 
What sort of unit you running? <laughs> <laughs> how, did the, how did the Bulldogs get on the, the agenda tonight? If I had the Bulldogs, I'd be so happy right now. Just sit here, watch the top dog. Two, three ticks, I'm done. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm done. Got nothing else to say. There's more than that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> of course there is. Gus never sleeps. And we could stay with us and put a come right after the break. I want to see some of these contracts. 100% just a sec. You guys enjoy it. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? Lots to come this weekend. 100% footy. Our final tips for the prelim finals. Panthers v Storm. They are two teams that have been here, done that. Who goes through, Gal? Penrith for me. Pretty comfortably. Okay. Gus? Panther. Comfortably? Panther 30, Storm 10. Specific. (laughs) No S's. Put that in the tape. We'll roll it out next Monday, uh, only if he's right, though. And then, of course, Saturday night, also live and free from 7pm, Bronco Warrior. Who are the Panthers? Back in the Bronx, but I'm not, I'm not as confident on this one. This, this could okay. go either way. I did say many weeks ago on this show that it'll be a, a Warriors Penance Grand Final, but I've changed. I'm going to go to the Bronx. Gus? Bronco. Quite comfortably. Right. Big scoreline again. Warriors had their day. Broncos, their day's coming. All right, this time next week, we're previewing the decider. Cannot wait. Thank you very much, gentlemen. On your gal. This brace. Danny? James. That was a bit of scuttle. scuttle. Got it right. He's got big meetings coming, the top dog. <laughs> Don't know what sort of unit you're <laughs> running here, James. You've got no control. Loose no units. control whatsoever. Bye-bye. This has been another presentation from Nine's Wide World of Sports.